Giants, what I'm about. And what I'm about is an old school physical mentality. Okay? We're going to put a product on the field that the people of this city and region will be proud of. Because this team will represent this area. We'll play fast, we'll play downhill, we'll play aggressive. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes, we'll play every play like it has a history and a life of its own with a relentless competitive attitude. Well, hello, everybody. Good evening. Welcome to Big Blue Avenue. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside my co-host, Hank and Dichter. Hank, another week, another show featuring our New York football giants. And before we jump into things tonight, remember to subscribe to our new YouTube channel at Review and Preview Sports. You can catch all our exclusive content that we broadcast here and special clips that we do as well. Hank, thank you very much for joining me tonight. Looking forward to previewing this Tampa Bay game, not looking forward so much to recapping the Philadelphia game that happened, it seems like, a month ago at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, how's it going, Tom? It's I'm still trying to recover from that game. It's a typical Philly game that I somehow eerily called, on. if you remember at the end of our last episode. Yeah, you called it. You were right. You predicted Philadelphia to win 23-19. I they hate won. about this team for the wrong reasons. Yeah, well, you were very close for the second week in a row. Uh, Andy Hopper saying hello. What's up, fellas? Andy, thank you very much for joining the live stream. And uh, I believe Andy took uh, a line against the Giants this week for Tampa Bay. So, uh, you know, maybe we'll give him a little hard time later on in the show. And, <laughs> Hank, you actually did an episode with Andy on the Brew Party this past week. Uh, make sure to go check that out, folks, at The Brew Party on their Facebook page. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, Hank, I know you had a fun time there talking some New York football giants. Yes, I did. That was a lot of fun. Andy's got a great show going on. It's great content. Definitely give him a watch or listen if you got the chance. And shout out to David. Evening, gents. Nothing but pain this season, it seems. Yep. You are 100% correct, and right before we get into Philadelphia, folks, just want to remind you guys that Sam Cardona, co-host of, I'm sorry, she is the host of the Girl Who Talks Sports podcast. She will be joining us at 7.40 p.m. tonight to preview the New York Giants and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yes, you heard the way I pronounced that. Looking forward to having her join us on the show. Going to be great stuff here folks stay right here and andy yes he took my advice on tampa bay but let's recap philadelphia folks uh hank you will start off with recapping the first half and we're going to show you a few clips of this game as well some key plays and break it down for you if you have any comments feel free to comment in our live stream and make sure to follow us on all our platforms listed below on our ticker and hank i'm going to throw the floor to you and let's get started with recapping Philadelphia. And remember, it's going to be more about Tampa tonight, less about Philadelphia, because we know our viewers are sick of talking about this game at this point. All right, 
let me get this over with as quick as possible. So the start of the opening drive, which I don't know about you, but it seems to me like every open, single opening drive this year, like it always involves the team going deep down to the field or scoring or whatever. But that game was no different. The Eagles went 11 plays and 75 yards. They scored a touchdown on a one-yard rush by Carson Wentz in the end zone. And this, this play was set up by an 18-yard pass to tight end Richard Rodgers. And it's another example of tight ends killing the Giants like they have been over the years. But later on, the Giants, of course, would bounce back. Daniel Jones threw a 39-yard bomb to Golden Tate. And by the way, I'll give you a little fun fact. He was only the second different Giants receiver score touchdown this year. Crazy, but sad, but true. That's how our offense has been. Anyways, on the next Eagles possession, they would go 83 yards in the Giants. Oh, what's up? We need to pause for a second. At the time, yes, Golden Tate was the second wide receiver on the Giants roster to score a touchdown. Obviously, Sterling Shepard would score one later on in the game. And I want to get to your point. It proves my point again as to why the Giants should have kept Ryan Connolly. If Richard Rodgers is Philadelphia's leading receiver, that's a problem. As David comments, we are only competent at quarterback one, hence why it's such a need for next year. Uh, Could not agree with you more, David. But let's take the folks through this 39-yard touchdown to Golden Tate. Remember, Giants are down 7-0, and Danny Dimes just lays it in there. Beautiful pass, and we'll show you guys what we're talking about. Extra man on the rush. Passes downfield and caught. Tate. Touchdown. Golden Tate, the ex-Philadelphia Eagle, just fought for this. Yeah, a lot of grabbing going on, too. He just was able to fight through it, but he had all this field to work. See, the safety's going to work over the top this way. And so there's just all that room then. For Daniel Jones, he's just got a one golden tape. So if you guys saw that play, Andrew Thomas, Cam Fleming do a fantastic job pushing Vinnie Curry and Brandon Graham out. And then Gates did a good job blocking as well. And Daniel Jones just delivers a perfect pass. It was a great formation. As you saw, Daniel Jones saw Golden Tate lined up in the slot, saw the mismatch, and, uh, you know, he just hit his man right up the seam. And Golden Tate, fantastic catch it was his only catch of the game hank so i guess you could call tate uh not just showtime tate but a one-hit wonder type of player (laughs) what were your overall thoughts on that catch though i just thought it was he had a wrestle for that football yeah it was a good play good jump ball play that he made but it was really huge to keep the giants in the game early on and um i gotta tell you this first half it was not great and as as we'll talk about later they were I don't know about you. They were lucky to only be down by three at the end. Yeah. It just seemed like the second quarter was a quarter full of miscues because we had both interceptions from each quarterback. Then we had the fumble by Deion Lewis and then the missed field goal by Jake Elliott. But Hank, I'll let you dive more into that. Um, Picking up from the Golden Tate touchdown, we're tied seven to seven. So on the next Eagles possession, they would go 83 yards in the Giants red zone, but all they could really get was a 31-yard field goal from Jake Elliott. And at, yeah, as we said, the second quarter, there were a lot of miscues. The Giants' first possession would result in a brutal interception. This one bounced off of Evan Ingram's hands and into the hands of Jalen Mills in the middle of the field. This you can't really fault Daniel Jones on that one. It bounced off the guy's hand. No, I will. I will. You can't oh. throw a two-yard rifle pass on a slant. Should I mean, I, oh, you, go for it. Look, this is just not a good throw by DJ. Like, I'm sorry. Like, look, I'm all for Daniel Jones being the franchise quarterback. I see glimpses of him 
and what he's been able to do. And I think he's done it consistently enough despite the turnover headache. However, on this particular throw, you're literally just throwing the ball, trying to get it into your receiver's hands and have them turn up field to gain some yards. There's no need to throw a 95-mile-per-hour fastball at him. Terrible throw by Jones on that play. Should Ingram have caught it? Probably. But was it out of his range a little bit? Yes. You know, you would expect an athletic Evan Ingram to make that catch, but not a good throw by DJ right there, in my opinion. I think for that one, this is one of those plays where we can agree to disagree. It wasn't the best throw by Jones. I'll, I'll give you that. But I definitely think that Everett Ingram probably should have caught that. But either way, let's move right along. The Eagles on that drive, though, so this interception really didn't hurt the Giants at all, technically speaking, because the Eagles were not able to capitalize on this play. They would get in the Giants' 20, but Carson Wentz would get sacked by Marcus Golden, and then on the next play, he would throw a pick into the end, in the end zone for Bradbury Bunker. And let's take a look at that highlight, shall we? Sure, and I just want to get to David's comment, too. I see Ingram at fault on that one. I see both players at fault, but I see more Jones, you know? I mean, I get it. He's throwing it super fast, but, you know, I, I just think Ingram, look, yeah, he has to make that catch, but Jones could have laid it out a little softer, I think, and that that's why I'm critiquing him just a little bit there. That's um, true. But, yeah, let's go over this Bradbury interception, which is what we're up to now. Again, he's the seventh-ranked cornerback in the league, according to PFF, and he's really just a fantastic acquisition by Dave Gettleman in the offseason. And uh, here it is, folks. So, guys, just look at the way Bradbury not only leaped up to catch the football, but the fact that he was able to keep both feet in bounds is just astonishing. Uh, I found that play to be his best interception yet, Hank, even better than the one um, over Allen Robinson. I think that might have outdone that because I, I get it. Like Carson Wentz did not make a good throw, and he was under duress, but the fact that it was in the end zone – I think makes it even that more critical. His best play this season. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. That was the fact that was in the end zone. That was big. And again, it he really bailed out both Daniel Jones and Evan Engram too. Because as I said, this was the first drive after the fumble or interception rather. So I think it was huge. But unfortunately for the Giants, they didn't come up with points either on this. In fact, the two teams would exchange punts. Giants would get the ball with 57 seconds left in the half, but then that only resulted in a fumble by Deion Lewis that Rodney McLeod picked up. But in their last drive, the Giants were also fortunate because the Eagles would go down into the into the red zone, but they would, again, fail to capitalize. Jake Elliott shanked the 29-yard field goal attempt. So when you, when you look at this half, when, all said and, when it was all said and done, 
the Giants were very, very fortunate to only be trailing by three. They were. Um, it was just a very back-and-forth type of first half, and I think after that first drive, a lot of people thought, hey, Philadelphia has this. They're up 7 nothing. They just moved methodically down the football field, but it only took the Giants one play to put them on the board to score a touchdown, so we're down 10-7 at halftime. And now we dive into the second half, folks, which is fun and not so fun to talk about. So um, after Elliott shanks the 29-yard field goal, Devontae Freeman left the game early in the third quarter with an ankle injury. I believe this is a high ankle sprain similar to the injury Barkley had last year, but to a lesser degree. Um And in the third quarter, obviously, Wayne Gallman had to play some running back in addition to Deion Lewis. So on the Giants' third possession of the third quarter, they finally showed some life, as Hank wanted to emphasize, on an 88-yard drive that was highlighted by an 80-yard run by Daniel Jones, uh, where Daniel Jones reached over 21 miles per hour on his legs. It was quicker than Lamar Jackson's touchdown run, and uh, before... We get to that clip. James Montefusco, thanks very much, James, for sharing the show tonight. Really appreciate you. And I almost called the score last week. You're right. You did. Uh, you were close, too. You and Hank, man, you guys have a very similar feat when it comes to this. But um, this epic Daniel Jones run that ends in uh, absolute trauma. As let's, let's take a look. <laughs> From the 12, Jones keeps, gets a block. Takes off and he is gone. Trying to stay upright and he trips. Absolutely all alone and he trips. Going to the end zone and ends up carrying it as it is for 80. So this run right here in slow motion, guys, that run you saw was Daniel Jones pretty much saying, you know, I'm Superman again. He fooled out the cameraman again for the second week in a row. Am I surprised he had this type of run? No, because he had a 40-plus yard run against Washington, 49-yard run against Washington. The fact that he pulled off an 80-yard run against um, Philadelphia – even though he tripped over himself at the end, you have to be proud of Daniel Jones and the fact that he was able to gain 80 yards on one play. Most quarterbacks have never had an 80-yard run in their career. Uh, Andrew Hopper says, I can't watch that and not laugh. I agree. I know it's been memed all over the place, but it was still a fantastic play by Daniel Jones, (laughs) like it or not. At the end, it stunk because um, Sam, who's going to join us a little bit later on tonight, was actually doing a podcast with her friend who is an Eagles fan. And she was saying that as I was watching that, I was saying, please don't trip, please don't trip. And of course he tripped. But as David says, I can't even with that stumble. Well, Daniel Jones is no Cam Newton or Lamar Jackson, but you know, he's got some nice legs. Um, You know, it was very fortunate though. The Giants drive did end up resulting in a one yard touchdown by Wayne Gallman, putting the Giants up 14 to 10. But Hank, any, anything you want to add on that Daniel Jones run? Cause I know people all over the country and football have been talking about it this past week. <laughs> yeah, no, I, 
I can't say that I disagree with you, Andrew and David. It's that's one of those plays that you just watch and seeing him trip. How, how do you not crack over that? I I know that me this play was kind of memed as a way that the Giants lost, but as we're going to get to, this technically did not hurt the Giants because they still scored on this drive. But hey, it just goes to show you. I know I've often said that some of the things and the only things undefeated in life are Father Time and Mother Nature, but I got to add a third thing to that. That's the internet. That? The internet. Yeah, the internet blew that play up, folks. Um, look, Jones made a great play, but you would like to see him finish. Unfortunately, he didn't. So then after that, the two teams would exchange punts. The Eagles went eight plays, 66 yards early into the fourth quarter where they reached the red zone. But then again, they came up with the goose egg where Carson Wentz threw an incomplete pass on fourth in goal, which was really surprising to me because on this drive, the Eagles had a 40-yard pass to Travis Fulgham, the guy who everyone's saying and their mother to pick up on their fantasy football team. And don't get me wrong, he's been great. You know, right now he's their number one receiver. But the fact that the Giants defense still got a stop on that drive was impressive, I thought. Uh, That prevented Philadelphia from scoring where Doug Peterson probably should have kicked the field goal and put points on the board. What do you make of that drive? I think that play was yet another example of the Giants being very fortunate because they were getting a lot of lucky breaks early on in this game with the Eagles and their inability to capitalize on point opportunities. And so as much as I look at this loss as like, you know, a crusher, if you look at it on the other side, the Eagles really should have won by more. I hate to say that. This is still a disgusting loss because look who the Eagles oh, were no, without. Lane doubt. Johnson, who got no, injured on that fourth and goal. Lane Johnson got injured twice in this game. And remember something, the whole country's watching. It's not just Giants and Eagles fans watching. We're people saying, oh, who's going to watch this Thursday night snooze fest? It turned out to be a decent game. Uh, you know, it took a little while to pick up. But let me tell you something, Hank. It was just me sitting there and saying, no, not again. We've seen this script written once before where the Giants blow late leads in Philadelphia, and it's happened the last three times we've been there. Um, Although a lot of Giants fans were confident uh, after getting that fourth down stop, the Giants capitalized. They marched 97 yards, folks, from their own three-yard line where they got the fourth down stop on a 15-play drive that capped off with a two-yard touchdown pass from Daniel Jones to Sterling Shepard that put the Giants up. 21 to 10. Jones throws, passes, caught, Shepard, touchdown. Again, you know, Hank Jones just has a very tight window to release that football, and it was just a perfectly placed pass. Oh, definitely. And I also like protection up front on that play. You know, a lot of people have been giving the Giants a lot of, uh, you know, hate on their offensive line, but they did pretty good on that play. David says we shouldn't have lost that game. I've seen coaches fired for the same kind of stuff. Well, we're getting there, David. We're getting there. Um, Philadelphia, look, I got to tell you, before their next drive, the Giants did a really good job using Wayne Gallman. Deion Lewis had a 19-yard run. A guy who fumbled earlier on to come back and make a run like that is great to see, especially when you're not a starter. But Philadelphia, they didn't give up. They inched closer, driving deep into the Giants' red zone where they scored on a three-yard touchdown pass from Carson Wentz to Greg Ward 
although they would miss the two-point conversion. So the score stayed 21-16. to 16. But on this drive, here's the turning point of this game, Hank, and I, I want your thoughts on that drive. There was a 59-yard pass to John Hightower on that drive. I believe it was against Ryan Lewis in coverage. Once Hightower made that catch, the Giants were losing this football game, 100%. The tides had turned. That was the play they needed. You can't tell me you make a 60-yard throw and then you're just not going to score. Like once Wentz hit that throw to Hightower, you knew. There was no going back at that point, in my opinion. Yeah, after that, I just – I think I kind of felt the same way too because, as I've said, I've seen – way too many of this on repeat over the years when they play the Eagles. And it's just another one of those crazy plays that's through the Giants. Although I do want to mention this though, on the two point conversion, I feel like Doug got a little too, got a little too cocky when it wasn't really necessary. I don't know about you. It, Cause it's another example, like not taking the points and then choosing to go for two, like, it, it, it was a little confusing. I feel like he tried to keep us in this game. What about you, Tom? Yeah, um, you know, I don't agree with the two-point conversion call either. You don't need to reach for points at that point of the game. I understand what they're trying to do, make it a three-point game. But in football, when you're driving late in the game, you'd rather be down by four than down by three. And here's why. Because when you're down by four – you, I mean, you want to score that touchdown to end the football game. And there was there was some type of clip in Super Bowl 42 where Peyton and, e and Eli Manning were talking about it. You'd rather be down by four than down by three. So you don't settle for a field goal. You're motivated to score a touchdown. And to Paul Lombardi's point right here, are you guys going to sign Dontari Poe to the defensive line? Um, I don't think so. I think the defensive line is our, our – our strength on the defense, Dalvin Tomlinson, Leonard Williams, who has three sacks and then Dexter Lawrence are all rated in the top 17 on pro football focus with interior defensive linemen and BJ Hill isn't too far behind. And I really like Austin Johnson too. I don't think the defensive line is the problem, Paul. I think our particular issue is our secondary and our linebackers not being able to cover tight ends on the, on the defense. But um, Dontari Poe, I don't think we're going to sign him, but maybe another team, you know, like the Lions, they could use an interior defense, you know, just other teams like that. So what's your take on that? Yeah, I, I would – don't get me wrong. I would love to sign Dontari Poe, but I don't think that's the main issue with the Giants. Yeah, I know, Paul. I, we need more than just James Bradbury at cornerback for starters. Yeah, no, 100%. I think they need a second cornerback for sure. And, Paul, um, make sure to go check out his stuff. I know he does writing, I believe, for Fansided, I want to say. He writes a lot of basketball articles and stuff. So make sure to go check his stuff out, folks. Follow him on Twitter and get that stuff. And David says, how does Lewis end up with his back to the whiteout there? He must know to keep everything in front of him. Yep. Yep. That's all I have to say about that is, yep, because, David, you hit that – you hit the head – you hit the nail on the head again right there. I mean, Deion Lewis made so many mistakes in this game. I've got nothing to say, Hank. I'll be honest with you. I've got nothing to say. I mean, the more we get through late in this game, 
you're up 21-16, and you get the ball back. Uh, a drive that was promising. It started with a couple of good runs by Wayne Gallman again. He had a 10-yard run and a 14-yard run on that drive. It abruptly ended on a third and seven with 2.14 left. Giants had a chance to put the game away, but Ingram dropped the perfect pass from Daniel Jones to give the Eagles a chance to win. Uh, Evan Ingram is not the answer at tight end. I think you know that at this point. I know that. He, he's, not, he's not the answer. He just doesn't fit. I'm not saying he's not a talented player, but – uh, you know, I've had fans of opposing teams tell me that why pinpoint this one moment in this game where Ingram dropped the football? Well, quite frankly, if Ingram catches the football, all bias aside, folks, the Giants win this football game. They they really do because they put themselves in a good position to run off a lot more clock. And with the way Philadelphia was moving, outside of that 60-yard catch, they just weren't moving very methodical against the Giants. I think if Ingram catches that ball, that's game, Hank. Oh, I I couldn't agree more. It's 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 frustrating to think about, but it, well, what can I say? It was a missed opportunity, but I do want to point something out. I love that Daniel Jones went out and like took accountability and had Evan Engels. Yeah, look, I'm going to be honest with you. The Giants deserve to lose this football game. They did. They they really did. Bad teams find ways to lose, and this was another example of that. There's no excuses. Uh, when do we move Logan Ryan to cornerback two? I think it's got to happen. I think it's got to happen too. But remember, David, he was beat in the Washington game by Sims late. I think he's an upgrade over Ryan Lewis for sure. I mean, who wouldn't want Logan Ryan starting? I think he needs to be that number two and Darnay Holmes needs to be the slot corner. I've been saying it for weeks. I've been saying it for weeks. Logan Ryan was really good last year for the Titans, especially in that playoff run for the most part. And then Jason says, do you think the Giants will stop trying to win? Realistically, they can get the number one pick, but they can also win six games and win the division. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold up. Did, did, did I read that question right? Did you say, do I think the Giants will stop trying to win? With a new coach like, like Joe Judge? No, not happening. I don't see it. I don't see why they would stop trying to win these games. I mean, first of all, this is a young team that's trying to learn how to win. I don't really see why they, they would even think about tanking at this point. And Joe Judge wants to save his record, too. Right. And I think they traded Marcus Golden not because they're tanking, because they're um, he just didn't fit in the scheme. I yeah. mean, you saw it. When Lorenzo Carter was healthy, O'Shane Zimenez was healthy, Golden was the odd man out, not getting snaps. And you want to get draft capital this year? A guy who is on that tender, that one-year tender we signed them to, He's not coming back next year. I mean, he, he's not a fit. I mean, they love Fackrell and they love Z uh, Zoe. So those are the guys. Uh, to Jason's point, I'm going to agree with Hank a little bit. I think Joe Judge brings um, a system that players are buying into, whether they're winning or losing, but it's definitely a fair point um, to say that the Giants can win six games and win the division somehow. Uh Thing with Ingram, when he goes away, he blows up and ends up in all pro. Hey, you might be right. I, I just, I'm an upgrade over Deion Lewis. I'm about 300 pounds. Uh, David, man, we're going to have to get you on the show to talk about this because you're a funny guy. You're definitely a funny guy. Um, Dave, you're the man. Hey, Jason happens to like you. And Jason, I apologize for spoiling 
uh, if I did the Big Brother finale for you last night. I meant to respond to you, but I was absolutely exhausted. Um, <laughs> Fackrell outperformed Golden. Yes, he did. He did 100%. But, okay, let's get to this last drive because this is where Riley Dixon's about to punt the football to Deshaun Jackson, who volunteers the uh, punt return and then gets slammed. Uh, Corey Ballantyne with an illegal lowering the head penalty to initiate contact. Uh, gave Philadelphia an additional 15 yards. Uh, it was an illegal hit. Uh, I don't necessarily know if he was if his intent was to do that. I think I was more annoyed with Cam Brown coming in at the end of that and continuing to, you know, Deshaun Jackson was already just lit up, and this guy has in, a very bad injury history. So I just think that that's something that shouldn't have happened. Um, and, and a quick reminder. Um, host of the girl who talks sports, Sam Cardona joins the show in approximately 10 minutes. So looking forward to that. Uh, she is already backstage folks. So make sure, uh, you guys stay tuned. Uh, we really appreciate it. And okay. So back to this drive, they're starting at our 47 yard line. I believe if I'm not mistaken, they're starting this drive in giants territory and right away you see it. Uh, I'm sorry. No. There was another penalty that put Philadelphia into Giants territory, but um, Boston Scott had an 18-yard touchdown over uh, Jabril Peppers, Hank. Jabril Peppers got just got burnt on this play. Boston Scott has had so much success against the Giants. Five of his six career touchdowns are against us. Yeah, it's uh, that was – the Giants just on that last drive looked completely undisciplined. I don't, I don't know about you. Yeah, I they didn't look disciplined at all. They, I, think they, I think they just totally lost their cool because they saw the game slipping away. Something along those lines. I don't know about you. Hank would take uh, – I'm sorry, not Hank. David would take the penalty <laughs> on Jackson because um, of what happened 10 years ago on his punt return against Matt Dodge. Don't uh, remind me I was at that game. Kyle Russo, the last two minutes of this game, had like five to seven penalties. Yeah, I mean, the Giants finished with nine, ten penalties, so it wasn't a good look. And, guys, this drive consisted with a 30-yard pass again to a third-string tight end in Richard Rodgers. The Giants cannot cover tight ends. LPG, license plate guy, said it when we had him on our show. Mike Vivolo said the exact same thing last week when we had him on. Giants can't cover tight ends. It's an attrition no matter what you do. And we have Rob Gronkowski coming up this week against Tampa Bay. But anyway, Philadelphia, I believe they failed the two-point conversion again after scoring that touchdown. So now there's 40 seconds left. We have the football. And then Daniel Jones, we're just waiting for that one fumble to happen. And we predicted right. It happens. It's just really sad. Um, I believe Andrew Thomas was the one that got – Burnt on Brandon Ingram, who would get, who was one of our players to watch last week, Hank. He had a strip sack, forcing a fumble recovered by Vinny Curry to cap off a very heartbreaking loss to Philadelphia. To, to expand on what you're saying, yeah, that that fumble I feel like would have, would have been the safest bet in Vegas. Sad to say. David, Peppers Eight? have been outstanding since arriving in New York. So you kind of need to forgive him. Other guys can make plays too. Oh, 100%. I agree. It's, you know, it's a mistake. A lot of people are questioning, though, if Peppers will be on this team long term. 
because I believe his contract is coming up and we got to bring in a linebacker to deal with this kind of thing. We have known for several years. Well, you cut Ryan Connolly on final cuts, which was a mistake. You kept all these rookies. They should have kept Connolly on the practice squad because I know we saw a small sample size of him last year, but he was one of the best pass coverage linebackers in the NFL. And he was the answer, in my opinion, to our tight end problem. And now we don't have that guy anymore. Uh, but he's not doing much in Minnesota. So you never know. We could very well could have made the right move with that. We'll save to see. But Hank, eight straight losses to the Eagles. The last four consecutive losses in Philadelphia were all decided with less than two minutes remaining in the fourth quarter. So there you have it. <laughs> Brutal. Um like I said in the last episode, it's like watching Groundhog Day on repeat, but just without the happy ending. Yeah, that's that's a great way to put it. Fantastic way to put it. Let's get into some of the pros, though. There were some pros from this game that we're going to discuss over the next few minutes. Daniel Jones had by far the best game of this, had his best game of the season, including that 80-yard run. People are like, well, he only threw for 187 yards. Remember, he did have that 80-yard run. And here we go, the good, the bad, the ugly, through seven weeks. These are Daniel Jones's numbers. There is a lot of writing on this graphic, folks. So just going to take you through the most important things. He had a 92 rating last week. People aren't looking at that. They're just looking at his two turnovers. His numbers are going up. Completion percentage is going up. Passer rating is going up. Uh, sad to say he leads the team in rushing, which is never a good thing. Um, one of three quarterbacks to lead his team in rushing. We know who the other two are, uh, Cam and Lamar. And Kyle, Kyle Russo is going to blow this one up after I just made that. Um, first, we have David. Yep. Got to give Shaq Barrett or Bud Dupree the bank this offseason. Yeah, we need a pass rusher. Again, I still think the loss of JPP hurt more than Odell and Landon. People might disagree with me, but... I mean, you could win without a superstar wide receiver. You can't win in this league without a good defense. I, <laughs> I know you and I are very similar to that, uh, how we think about that, but uh, we have the comments section blowing up right now. I thought he played well against Dallas as well. He's not the problem. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. So Daniel Jones has been blitzed 101 times, second most in the league. He's been pressured 30% of the time. That's top in the league. He's been hurried 32 times. That's second in the league. And he's been hit 25 times. That's second in the league as well. Not to mention he has an average of two and a half seconds to throw the football in the pocket. So what is the root of this issue? Is it that the offensive line stinks? Is it that Daniel Jones can't read a defense? Or is he still not there yet with his progressions? What do you think? I think it's I think it's probably has to do a little bit of all three of them. I think for one thing, having this offensive line is not doing him any favors. We all know that's the truth. Mm-hmm. Say what you want about it. But I do think there are times there are times, don't get me wrong, where I do think he needs to be able to read a defense better. I've seen him throw into tip triple coverage when guys like Evan Ingram were wide open. That that he's got to cut down on. But with that having been said, to say that he is the main part of the offensive problem, no. No way. There is bigger – it's bigger than that. You need to fix the offensive line and the running game. 
the running game without Saquon is much different. But this is the problem. Whether you like it or not, his turnovers are still the biggest flaw of his game. 34 oh, giveaways sure. since for 2019. Sure. That's second most in the league. And that explains why, again, part of not the full reason, folks, but part of the reason why he is 4-15 and 15 as an NFL starter. So that's the good, yeah. the bad, the ugly through seven weeks. That's an ongoing uh, thing we like to point out every single week. But the Giants had a season high totals of 325 yards on offense. That doesn't sound right, but 160 rushing yards is great. Great to see. Um, although half of them came on that Daniel Jones run. So I still think the running game is pretty darn set, if you ask yeah. me. Uh, you know, if your quarterback is leading the team in running. To quote Joe Girardi, it's not what you want. No, 100%. Blake Martinez is a bright spot on this team. He led the Giants in tackles again, and he is the sixth-ranked linebacker, according to Pro Football Focus. Acquisition by Dave Gettleman. James Bradbury, another acquisition by Dave Gettleman. Tied second in the league with three interceptions through seven games. Another acquisition by Dave Gettleman. Giants had three sacks against Carson Wentz, which is not bad. I would have expected more, though, due to the fact that their offensive line is banged up. They were without Lane Johnson at times. He was in and out of the game. Andre Dillard, who's out for the season. Brandon Brooks as well. Uh, they lost Halamalu, Woti, Vitae, whoa, uh, to Big the Lions. <laughs> call him Big D. That's, how most, that's what Eagles fans call him. Big yeah, D. and then the center, Jason Kelsey, is the only one that's been active for them all these games. So yes. um, who is our Giants player of the week? This is a segment that I love that we talk about every single week. And, you know, when you have a performance like this where you can't really pick a guy who performed well, when in doubt, go with the punter. I'm not kidding. Riley Dixon is our New York Giants player of the week. He's been one of the best punters in the league this season. He had six punts. Three of them were downed inside the 20 last week. It would have been four of his six punts down inside the 20 if not for the Corey Ballantyne illegal hit on the Sean Jackson. Hank, what do you see? I, I love some big red bubble gum, but, man, this guy's going to be here till we're in our mid-30s. He's going to be here for a while. He's a 27-year-old punter. He's going to be the same age that Fiegel's was by the time he – by the time uh... – we're in our thirties too. Oh, so, yeah. the fans are beginning to catch on David in all caps, big red. Yes. Yeah, no, he's been, you know, if you were to make a case to me that he's been one of the, our most consistent players, whether it be on offense or special teams, I don't think I'd even make an argument with that. He's been great this year. And the thing is too, folks, we're not just putting this up because the giants are a bad football team this year. That's not, I mean, yes, that is the case, but yeah. Dixon has had at least a 50-yard punt in six of his seven games, and when over 50% of your punts are being down inside the 20, that speaks volumes. He And again, 24 punts through seven games, that's actually not a lot, considering with how bad the Giants have been offensively. So Riley Dixon, airing it out with him, is our player of the week. And quickly, we will move through the cons. Uh, in the last three games at Lincoln Financial Field, the Giants had leads of 19-3, to three. 17 to 3, and of course 21 to 10 last week. They could not sustain any of those leads, not to mention Hank, the Giants lost on a 61 yard field goal back in 2017. 
Good Lord. And I'm about to open an essay here, folks. Oh, my. What's this? Problem with Daniel Jones is he's a turnover machine. True. Hardest thing to overcome as a quarterback, some never can. No one ever complained about Favre because you knew he could go for 500 yards and four touchdowns. Jones needs to get better in, I think he meant to say the red zone, but yeah, he, I get what he's saying. He has to get the team in the end zone. Yeah. Big part of the problem for sure. Uh, Giants gave up 442 yards to Philadelphia, who had one healthy starting offensive lineman from week one. Terrible. That's the most given up to a Philadelphia team by any defense this season. Penalties and turnovers are still a big issue. That Hank, the Giants didn't look disciplined at all in this game. No, the fact that you had five to seven late in the fourth quarter, it shows me that they lost their cool for starters. And to say that that's undisciplined football would be the understatement of the year. Evan Ingram, critical drops. Um, are we at the point of giving up on him? Well, we already talked about that. His 21 drops are the most by any tight end since 2017. Thank you for bringing up that stat. You did some stat digging to find that one. Mm, yep, it's true. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's crazy. I was looking it up. I knew he'd had a lot of drops. I didn't realize it was that bad. Yeah. Worse than I thought. Andrew Thomas continues to struggle. We can't cover tight ends. We already talked about it. Boston Scott seems to be an MVP running back when he plays against us. Uh, and if, every, Barry, if every single game he played was against us, he'd have to, he'd have a bust in Canton. He'd make the Pro Bowl every single year. And then Darius Slay won the matchup in Slay versus Slayton. Um, oddly enough, their names are very similar, but Slay locked them down. Slayton leads this team with 27 catches on the season, uh, folks. But, look, I, I'm still – I'm still not sold on Darius Slayton yet. I think he's a number two receiver, but he's the only guy on our team right now. He is our number one receiver. But again, he's the modern day Amani Toomer. We say it every single week. Um, Giants are now 13 and 43 since that infamous boat party hosted by Victor Cruz and Odell Beckham Jr. The Beach Boys, you mean? <laughs> God. David. So we are comparing a guy with four wins and no pro bowler around him to a guy who is in a multiple powerhouse offense. And we plant our feet on planet earth again. So David and Kyle can continue to get into their um, fight about that, about comparing Jones to Brett Favre. But look, I, I, I slide with both of them. I see where both of them are coming from. Uh, yeah. Leaning more towards David, but Kyle brings up a really good point. You know, Brett Favre, great thrower. We know that for sure. Uh, quickly here, last couple of points before we bring Sam Cardona up in two minutes. The Eagles won when trailing by 10-plus points in the fourth quarter for the first time since 2012, Hank. And I believe there's another stat on that. Yeah, they've lost 36 consecutive games when trailing by 10 since then. Is that correct? Yeah. You, you would happen to be correct. <laughs> and then Carson Wentz with six game-winning drives since last year. I believe half of them have been against us. Tom, you would also happen to be correct, unfortunately. That's just another key takeaway that's that's very disheartening to think about. Um, and the so Eagles the now – what's that? So is the next one, unfortunately. Well, the next one is that the Eagles are now 6-0. Under Doug Peterson – 
on Thursday night football. Three of those six wins on Thursday night football against that part. the Giants. That part. Yeah. And David, again, you guys are killing me with these stats. Well, you know, we like to bring up a lot of fun stats. Not maybe not so fun to Giants fans, but it's the reality. The running game is sad. We know that. The Giants defense, though, here's a good one. The Giants defense has at least two sacks in each of their first seven games. You know when was the last time we did that? 2011, the year we won the Super Bowl. So that's a good stat. And then so you're saying there's a chance. Yeah, there <laughs> is a chance. Look, when the division winner is probably only going to win six games, there is a chance. And the Giants are now the only team left in the NFC East with one win. Is there a chance or was this game the straw that broke the camel's back? I still think there's a chance. I mean, look, I don't think they're going to get in, but they're te- technically, yes, there still is a chance. I mean, look, last year, I'm sorry, not last year, last decade, 10 years ago, the Seahawks made the playoffs with a 7-9 and nine record. We were 10-6 and six that year and missed the playoffs. So, yes, there's still a chance, guys. Um, and Hank, the icing on the cake was what happened on Friday night in New York city. I don't, I, it, do you want to get into that? Or do uh, you're just... talking about, Oh, you want to talk about the, um, them partying in the city Friday night? I, so mean, I don't remember what the whole thing is. Wasn't it like some private place that they were at? So I'm going to defend Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley here. And this is the last thing we're going to bring up, um, before we preview Tampa Bay, uh, the Giants just came back from a brutal loss, and it was a private party that was hosted by somebody that the team knew. So they were all had their temperatures taken before entering the building. It was Jones, Barkley, I think Austin Mack was there, Benjamin Victor was there. But the problem is social media blew it up. Saturday morning, I wake up at like 8, eight o'clock in the morning, and then there's Giants graphics, their Instagram stories blown up with this guy in his mid-40s, 50s, taking selfies with Jones and Barkley. That's the last thing you want to see the night after a brutal loss to Philadelphia. It's one thing if they're winning, but the fact that they're losing, it's just, look, there's nothing wrong with it. I don't think they broke protocols or anything. It's just not a good look. It's just not a good look. No. It, then again, to be fair, at least they didn't pull a Justin Turner. Yeah, we're not going to get into that. But at this time, I'm really excited to bring on our guest, Sam Cardona. Sam, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. No problem. So um, first thing I want to get to you is I know you're a big Giants fan, and uh, you actually did a show this past week with your friend who is an Eagles fan, correct? Yeah, 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 it was it was really fun. To say the least. Yeah. And I know that must have been awkward for the two of you. I believe like a day or two after that game where you guys were just sitting there, how close of a game that was neck and neck back and forth. The Giants should have won it, but um, unfortunately they didn't. So I just wanted to ask you, what were your thoughts on that Ingram drop there at the end? Um, Well, I've been watching this you know i've been watching your show this whole time um and you guys basically said it that was that was the game if he made that catch we would have won the game it would have converted that third down and we would have been i think it's like the 25 yard line and we definitely would have gotten down at least to kick a field goal to make it just a little bit more of a lead 
And I definitely think that that was probably the most crucial catch, no pun intended, to <laughs> do this entire, not just the game, but I think it, it almost changed the momentum of our entire season. Yeah, because if he makes that catch, we're two and five. We're back right. in the division race. And Philadelphia is, I think they're probably in last place. So, yeah, it's such a great point. And now we're sitting here. We have to play Tampa Bay this week. They're five and two. They just won their last game against the Raiders, big 45 to 20. And now they lead the NFC South by half a game. But the Giants do lead the all-time series against Tampa Bay 16-7. to Now, Sam and Hank, as I'm sure you remember, Daniel Jones' first career start and win was against Tampa Bay last year. Uh, but it's a much different Tampa Bay team we are playing against this year. Uh, what are your thoughts on um, the Daniel Jones 80-yard run, Sam? And can he bring in some of those legs like he did last year? Uh, from that Tampa Bay game into this year's game? I really hope so, because like you guys were saying, like he's literally the third quarterback in the league with rushing, right, behind Cam and Lamar, which is insane. And I like my new nickname for him now is Danny Sneakers, because all of a sudden he's just taken off down the field all the time. And, I mean, I heard you mention it before, too, that I was – literally freaking out saying please don't fall please don't fall this man is what like six five i just saw him slowly tipping forward and i was like he's not gonna make it there's no way he's gonna make it into the end zone and i mean but we saw him i think two weeks ago do like a quick shakedown at the defensive line and run down the sidelines he even tricked the cameraman and like he ran i don't know maybe like 15 20 yards on that play and i was like what like if he has the ability to run, why are we not drawing up more plays to use that? Or maybe he thinks he doesn't want to be a running quarterback because it is like slightly dangerous to be a running quarterback. You know, it's you're more likely to get hurt. But if we're if he's running anyway, we might as well start drawing up some plays that maybe have the offensive line open up a hole, which apparently they can't do for any of our running backs. But maybe he'll do it for Daniel Jones. I didn't think of it that way. That's a good point you bring up. So. Yeah, it's just – and I, I know, Hank, you want to ask Sam a question on, on, on Jones too, but before we get there, I just want to say one thing, that every time I watch Daniel Jones, I feel like I'm watching a movie where, like – I just feel like I'm trapped in, like, a movie that's like a nightmare because, quite frankly, like, it's kind of Murphy's Law. Anything that can go wrong will go wrong. So – and. Well, the point I'm trying to make with that is he was playing such a good game outside of that one bad pass on the slant to Ingram that he arguably could have caught. The game was perfect. And then once the defense started to, you know, get a little soft, Jones does the normal Jones type of thing. And David, again, fumbles in the pocket without corners punching. I just have to say really quick that this little child in his profile picture is so cute. <laughs> He's <laughs> yeah, been looking sure. at it every time he pops up. <laughs> okay, so Tom, is it okay if I piggyback on your question now? Yeah, let's let's hear what what do you got for so, us? I gotta ask you, Sam. Do you think he is a quarterback that's capable of leading this team years down the road? Uh, well, the thing is that 
I like I want him to be because when we drafted him to like or last year, I was like, I was so supportive of it. Like I was out here all the time saying like, wow, this is awesome. Like, I think he's going to do really well. And then he came out week three last season, won the game. And after we had lost those first two with Eli starting and I was just like, oh, my God, this is it. We found him. We found our guy. This is going to be great. And then it just tanked for the rest of the season. It just was not good whatsoever and I really I really want her (laughs) that's so cute um hi Rose um I really I really want him to be our next big you know like we had Eli for 16 years I really want him to be that guy for us I just don't I just don't know if he is and I don't see him long term and especially now that this second year was super critical for him like for him to do well this season if he did that if he spent this whole offseason you know, training and doing everything to make himself better. And he came out this season looking fantastic. I would have been like, wow, like he put in the work, everything's going good. Even if we had lost a few games, you know, even if we didn't make the playoffs, like it would have been okay, but I'm just not seeing it. And it's unfortunate because I rooted for this kid all last season. And I'm just like, he's, he's letting me down. Yeah, no, I I completely get that. I'm still supporting him just like you are. And, I don't know if I was as supportive as you are when he got picked. Like, not to say I was against picking Daniel Jones. It was where they did it, which was at six. Oh, oh yeah. Everyone yeah. at the time, like, pretty much agreed that they could have waited until, like, maybe 19th or, or even in the second round. But that's besides the point. Mm-hmm. I The point is, I do agree with you. He's a guy that's really not – is hard not to root for. He's a great guy, great leader. But do I think is the answer? I like you. I'm also on the fence about this. I do think he can be good, but I'm not hundred percent sure, but I do want to give a fun fact though about Tampa. The giants have not lost to the Buccaneers at home since 1997, 28. I believe that was only the first loss of the Jim Fossil era, if I remember correctly. And in addition, this is also going to be Tom Brady's, what is it? His eighth start. Yes. It does include the two Super Bowls. He is four and three against us in his career. And, I'll give you another interesting fact about Tom Brady. I don't think this will surprise either of you two. He has not lost to a one-win team week eight or later. So it's going to be pretty tough for the Giants, to say the least. And last thing I want to say to get to that is a lot of people expect Tom Brady to feast against the Giants. But what are your overall thoughts on this defense? Do you think they can slow him down? On the Tampa's defense? Or... Uh, the, or Giants. Like our, our defense, right? Our, yeah. defense. our yeah. defense. Okay. Yeah. I I very much think that our defense does a very good job with everything thrown at them. I think that they do fairly well. And I think that we have some really good guys. The only thing that I think we're missing is like this, like, I think almost like a leader on our defense. I think that they could be even better if we had, you know, like a TJ Watt or, you know, or a Cam Hayward or like somebody right who can just lead that defense. And I think that that's one of the key things that's missing from us. But I mean, we did really well against the Eagles. I think, I think that we definitely stopped a lot of like really important plays. Can they stop Tom Brady? I'm not entirely sure. I have, you know, I'm just like shooting my faith at them. And I'm like, you know, you, you guys just go out there and you just keep doing what you're doing. But Tom Brady is just so He's so slippery sometimes, and it drives me crazy because I hate him so much, but I got to respect him because he's so good. But in terms of, like, our defense, 
we have Blake Martinez, we have Leonard Williams, we have Logan Ryan. Like we have these really good players and they could do some really amazing things. I just don't know if Tom Brady is going to be that guy that is slowed down by them. Right. And not to mention, we just traded one of our top pass rushers on the team in Marcus Golden. So with that being said, who replaces him, Sam? The options are thin. As you can see, O'Shane Zimenez is, I believe he can return this week, but he's not going to because I think he got hurt in week four against the Rams. So he has the three-week period, but probably won't be back until week nine or ten. So this is what we're looking at, and this Mm -hmm. is not very promising. No, I mean, just like reading your bullet points, I mean, I think the the best thing that we can go with is Cam Brown just because he's played in more games. The fact that Trent Harris has only played in one game this season is not entirely promising. I, I don't like, you know, the more experience, the better. But at the like, you're 100% correct. This is like, this is all we got. This is all we can fill this hole with. It's um, it's kind of sad, but yeah. you know we got to work with what we got. Yeah, I mean Trent Harris does have some experience playing under Patrick Graham, so maybe it could be him. Uh, and he was on New England's practice squad this past off season, so hopefully one of those two can fill that void. We have a couple comments. Jamie Comstock, Hank's mom, says, "I like Sam. Great guest. Thank you." <laughs> uh, so good compliment there, and David, I think. We have those guys in Blake and Logan Ryan, but they are in year one, and it takes time to come into a locker room and earn their respect. I mean, absolutely. If you're, you know, you're the new guy, and you know, even if you've been in the league for a while, this is a totally different team, totally different people that you're working with and dealing with. But I mean, I was so excited to hear that Blake Martinez was going to be on our team because him playing on the Packers, I always said like he's a great player. And the fact that he ended up with the Giants, I was like, this is great. Like, this is going to transform us and everything. And I was kind of hoping he ended up being that big name, that big leader that we ended up getting on our defense. I'm just not seeing that yet, though. You know, but again, it is his first year. He's just getting into it. We're going into week eight. It's two two months of regular season is not a lot of time to, like, project yourself as, like, the best player on your defense or, you know, something along those lines. No, I agree. And I think, too, David brings up a good point. Cam Brown has only played 4% of snaps. He was a nice player at special teams. You know, I agree. I mean, look, we don't want to judge these kids when they haven't really gotten a fair chance opportunity yet. So hopefully he can do something for us. Uh, I know he played at Penn, Penn State in college. Sam, I think he will. He's a monster. Yeah, so, he is. But – Let's uh, move along here. The Giants re-signed Corey Coleman to their practice squad this week, elevated a couple players. But today, unfortunately, COVID-19 hit the Giants. They sent the entire offensive line home, starting offensive line, from practice. And Will Hernandez was placed on COVID-19 IR after testing positive. So now, uh, Sam, there's a lot of doubt if he'll play this week. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's all, you know, we want to be safe. We want to be healthy. We don't want the entire team to go down. Um, but the second I got that notification, it was like early this afternoon. I was like, you got to be kidding me. We're getting every single obstacle thrown at us, like 
from every direction, which really sucks. And the fact that they have the whole offensive line quarantining, they said that they're not, they're not positive though, right? It's just Will Hernandez. Yeah. So I believe everyone else is negative right now. I mean, but, but who knows? that's the rapid. So a lot of these guys could have it and just didn't show symptoms on the rapid. It's probably, they're won't probably know until like Saturday. I'd imagine which is cutting it very close. You know, you know, this whole COVID thing is really obviously made this whole season completely different. But if you are under the impression that maybe you're not going to play, your mindset gets put in a totally different place and, and then you end up playing and then you're like, oh my God, like I wasn't ready for this. It's just atrocious and I hate it so much, but I'd rather have them be safe and quarantined and, you know, trying to make sure that they keep it contained than having them, you know, running all over the place. And Hernandez has not missed the snap his entire uh, career so far. It's only lasted about two and a half years at this point, but this is big because he's one of their better offensive linemen, I'd like to say, even at a young age. And his replacement is a potential rookie who you can see at the bottom half of the graphic, Shane Lemieux, fifth rounder. So uh, one of the three rookies we drafted this year, we've already seen Andrew Thomas and Matt Pert. So, Maybe this is Shane Lemieux's time to step in. Uh, a lot of people say that he's Kevin Zeitler's eventual replacement, but you know, right now I'd say Lemieux is the guy. And not to mention the Giants also sent home offensive, uh, I always say this all the time, outside linebackers coach Brett Bielema and the defensive backs coach Jerome Henderson. Apparently they were in close co- uh, contact with the offensive line, but Joe Judge did say there was no concerns of the game not being played this week. So, and oh my goodness, look at this comment. Uh, we can win this game. I've changed my card. <laughs> <laughs> I, love I like it. your attitude, David. Dave, I wish I had, I wish I had whatever optimistic pills you were on right now. <laughs> yeah. By the way, David is from Scotland. So he is watching us. Wow. I believe it's one o'clock in the morning over there, five hours behind. So David is up late, if uh, I'm not mistaken. So wow, <laughs> yeah, that dude's dedicated. What can I tell you? That's yeah. awesome. He's, uh, he's amazing. <laughs> it's he's great. And another big thing: Devonte Freeman, non-participant in practice either. So Sam, this leads me to ask you: Who do you think should get the most touches at running back if Devonte Freeman doesn't play? And yes, Daniel Jones could be an answer to this question. <laughs> Yeah, definitely Daniel in that case, then, because <laughs> our other options, I mean, we have Wayne Gallman, who's, you know, kind of stepped up to the plate a little bit on Thursday, but he's not like our new Saquon or anything like that. You know, he's not some like amazing guy that's going to be like, wow, like this is going to be our new guy for the rest of the, you know, forever. Um but, I mean, we've seen him with the ball. I think that that's just the best bet in terms of what we have. But if Daniel Jones just lines up behind himself, that would be cool. You know, just have two Daniels on the field. I'm okay with that because apparently he can just jet 80 yards down the field. And that that works for me in terms of running back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, might as well. I, think it's, I think Wayne Gallman will probably get majority of the carries if Freeman doesn't play. But I wouldn't be surprised if we see Jones – they set up a few design runs for him again. And David, 12 hour clocks change for sunlight hours because we live in the dark over here. Interesting. <laughs> Little fun fact. But again, 
It's going to be a, a strange week because we have trade deadline candidates, including uh, these four players, Golden Tate, Kevin Zeitler, probably our best offensive lineman. Um, of course, Evan Ingram, and then BJ Hill, these four. So do you think any of these guys could possibly be dealt at the deadline? The thing is that I wish it was Evan Ingram and they're not going to do it. <laughs> I want them to just trade him at this point. I The second I saw him do that drop and I heard that you guys were saying he's got like the most drops by a tight end, like I don't want him anymore. I wish that they would trade him, I, but I really don't think that they're going to. Um, to trade Golden Tate at this point I think is also stupid. I don't think that we should get rid of him. I know that he only had like one – he had one – um touchdown right or one catch yeah, i think one catch for a touchdown yeah so you know i wish i wish that they wouldn't do that i kind of like golden tate um but they i think there was talks about zietler going like almost 100 percent. yeah you know again we i don't want anybody to get rid of anybody but if anybody just get rid of evan i don't <laughs> we don't need him anymore yeah. not to mention <laughs> Caden Smith is higher ranked than him on pro football focus. Evan Ingram's backup. So just goes to show you Ingram, 26 catches for 223 yards on the season. And then um, Hank, you feel like Ingram is uh, his clock is running out too. Oh yeah, for sure. He's been a guy that like, let's put it this way. Since Sam, I see you're a Yankee fan as well. Like I am. So I'm going to equate him to this. (laughs) He's, in a way, is like Gary Sanchez with the Giants. Both of them have a lot of potential, but both of them are also maddenly maddenly inconsistent. And whenever they don't live up potential and whenever bad things happen, you see a lot of people in each respective fan base screaming. And at this point, Evan Engram, I feel like, is a guy who's, who is on borrowed time, especially now after that catch. W- would you agree with that sentiment? Yeah, I, I would. And at this point, if we're like, why not? If you're not going to trade him, then just bench him and put in his backup if he's ranked better than him at this point. I think that that's mm-hmm. so stupid. Why why would they do that? I don't understand why yeah. you would bench somebody who's supposedly better. Or I'm sorry, not play somebody who's supposed to be better. But Evan Ingram, the sec- the, I swear, the second that he dropped that catch on Thursday, I was just so livid because like i said that was the game changer the season changer it could have just made us like right like we we would have been in such better you know standings with like everything going on right now and that one single catch also i know that you were mentioning about daniel jones like like coming to his defense um i do respect the fact that he did that but also it Daniel Jones threw that was a dime. If we're calling him oh, Danny Dimes, that was a dime. That should have been caught. That had nothing to do with Daniel. I don't think that he could have thrown that any better. It was all Evan Ingram. And the fact, but I do respect the fact that he came to his aid and was just like, well, it could have been me too. And I was like, no, Daniel, it wasn't you at all. Well, to be honest, I just think that's Daniel Jones being a good leader. Yeah. And like, taking one for the team and like feeling like being their quarterback, he's responsible. And in that case, since you mentioned Kevin's Caden Smith rather is ranked higher than I guess he's Kyle Higashioka in that sense. Right. Sanchez. Right. Right. Yeah. On the Yankees. Who I I like. 
Notice my uh, core four poster in the backgrounds. Oh, I love them. They're yep. my favorite. Jorge Posada is my favorite catcher of all time. Yep. There he is right there. Yep. I love him. He's my favorite, my favorite Yankee of all time, I should say. Mine's this guy. Rivera. Oh, Mo. Love him. This this helmet. Ooh, rather that way. I'm backwards. <laughs> this helmet is signed by Jorge. Oh, wow. My dad got it for me as a gift, and I was, like, freaking out. That is awesome. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry to bring in the Yeah, we totally comment. just went to a different New York team. Totally, totally okay. I, had I want to get to David's comment uh, about Kevin Zeitler, how him and Tate will be released at the end of the year. To get specific here, Kevin Zeitler, he accounts for $14 million in cap space next year and only carries a $2 million in dead cap heading into next year as well. So cutting Zeitler would free up 10 million in cap. That's huge. So the giants can go out and sign somebody. Uh, draft capital is the reason for potentially, I would assume trading somebody or, um, you know, being able to have money to sign these rookies. Cause I mean, right now, look, the, the giants are averaging under 12 points per game this year against non-divisional opponents. We have to do better offensively. We need, better skill players on this roster. We need better offensive linemen. And I'm going to be honest, this might be a little bit of a hot take, but if we're solely basing it off of just this season, I don't believe Dave Gettleman should be fired because look who he's brought in. Blake Martinez, James Bradbury, who has three picks, Fackrell and Leonard Williams, who each have three sacks. And then Logan Ryan was also a great signing. Now we can question Daniel Jones, Andrew Thomas. There's been a lot of good. And there's been a lot of bad with Dave Gettleman. So this is a situation where I'm just sitting here now. And like, I re- I'm really intrigued to see how we perform against Tampa Bay Monday night. This team has the eighth ranked offense and the fifth ranked defense in the league. So it's going to be very, very difficult um, guys. So I don't know what you guys are thinking about that, but that's just my thought process. I really think that in just in terms of this game, I mean, I know we were talking about our defense before, but they really like they have to perform like they've never performed before, because if we can, you know, stifle Tom Brady, if we can just make sure that he does not score points. I know that that seems like super primitive, just like more points, better game. But like, that's just like the basis of it all. If we can just calm Tom Brady down, cover these crazy targets that he has you know Mike Evans is struggling a bit with injuries which is promising for us I mean Gronk has stepped up to the plate insane like he has just been all over the place and him and Tom obviously have some of the best chemistry in football almost and if we just kind of and also the fact that Chris Godwin is out I mean I think or I think that he's not going to play yeah Um, he's out yeah so you know if, as long as we just we just have to work on their weaknesses, we need to make sure that Tom can't complete passes to his favorite receivers or his tight end. And if we if they don't put points on the board, then they can't win. And then you know maybe that somehow we can make our way down the field and score and uh, maybe I don't know win a game, win another game. It'd be just to win, to beat Tom Brady and the Buccaneers would just be exquisite. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. It really would. It just like everybody would automatically just treat us with so much more respect. Hank, speaking of respect, why don't uh we get more into the keys of the game? Yes. Yeah, so um what would you say are some of the, the main keys? If if 
if any upset of any sort is possible to happen. I mean, like I said, I, the, 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 the defense is what's holding me on right now because we do so well. We can, we can cover. We can mm-hmm. stop the run. We, I think we have one of the best pass rush defenses in the league. You know, if we can stop the run, that's promising. Making Tom throw. I know that he's more of a throwing quarterback anyway. But, you know, like I said, cover the receivers, cover the tight ends, make sure that he can't connect with those guys. Because also the second that they connect, they take off. They right. just take off down the field. And at that point, there's no stopping them. So that seems to, for me, is the most important part of this game. I agree. I think staying disciplined too and limiting just the penalties and turnovers is huge. Oh, yeah. You're not going to beat Tampa Bay with a whole bunch of mistakes. But you're right, Sim. Uh, I think pressuring Brady is key because that's how we beat him in both of those Super Bowls. Uh, you know, keeping him off the field. Brady, as you can see right here, second in the league with 18 touchdown passes, sixth most passing yards in the league. And as Hank mentioned earlier, I think Brady is four and three versus the Giants' lifetime, which is the fourth lowest win percentage against any team, which is insane to think about. And I think the way to achieve keeping Brady off the field is stopping the run because the Giants on our line, we have Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, and Dalvin Tomlinson, who are all great against the run, which that's going to be a challenge too because Tampa has Ronald Jones, LaShawn McCoy, Leonard Fournette. They have a lot of guys that can run too. So – I don't know what I'm thinking too much on like who specifically they have to hone in on with Chris Godwin out. Like who do you expect to step up for Tampa Bay on offense, Sam? Yeah. I mean, like they have so, they have so many like good players on this team and which really bothers me. But um, in terms of the run, like, you know, they have Leonard Fournette and, they cannot, you know, they'll be able to, I think they'll be fine, but Chris Godwin like is their main running back. But the fact that Tom Brady and Bruce Arians know that the giants defense is going to be really strong against the run, making Tom throw more. And I think that they're going to make sure these, you know, Mike Evans and Rob Gronkowski and everybody down the field is open and, that like their their run game at this point, knowing that it's going to be more of the weakness of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, mostly because Chris Godwin won't be playing. That is what's going to make them throw more during this game, just because and and also the fact that they know that the Giants are very good at not giving you know the running backs a hold or get through. Yeah, that's a good point, and I think Hank and I were discussing this before the show. Ronald Jones is over 500 rushing yards this year, so you know. Mm-hmm. That's going to be the first thing we try to do is stop the run. And that's where I think uh, this next guy comes into play, especially with Godwin uh, (laughs) with the broken finger and Antonio Brown, who is not eligible to play until week nine. So we kind of get lucky in a sense. But in the last two games, Gronkowski has been fantastic. I mean, look what he's done. He's had 10 catches and two touchdowns the last two weeks. And he's I think he's really starting – to hit his stride, Sam, I think Blake Martinez will have his hands full. Um, who actually Martinez is the second leading tackler in the entire NFL, 73 tackles. And it's just great. I mean, Mike Evans, you're right. Like six touchdowns on the season. He's another guy who's a big play threat, but Rob Gronkowski, my prediction is, as you can see here, 
Six catches, 82 yards, one touchdown. Um, and I think the fact that the reason why he is like one of my three players to watch is the Giants can't cover tight ends for their life and his chemistry with Tom Brady. Yeah. And like I said, like, like Gronk obviously coming off a year of retirement, like I think in the beginning of the season, they were making sure that Tom wasn't throwing to him that much. And he was more of a blocking tight end than anything. Um, mostly because he was trying to get back into this football shape, trying to get back into the swing of things. And now that he's probably like, listen, I feel really good. I can definitely do what I used to be able to do, you know, when we were on the Patriots and Tom and Gronk have been playing for how long like they they know each other they know each other's mannerisms they know how the other one thinks they know how the other one feels so this duo is just extremely dangerous for us and like you said we can't cover tight ends for whatever reason and like this this is who we need to focus mostly on because if Gronk gets the ball We've we've seen the things that Rob Gronkowski can do, and I don't want to see him do those things on Monday. Yeah, well, Chase Blackburn saved us nine years ago when they threw that like 60, 70-yard pass down the field to Gronk in the Super Bowl. Yeah. But, Hank, what's the next key to the game? I know this is pretty much your favorite key every single week for the defense. Oh, you bet it is. Get off the field on third down. <sighs> Good Lord. I swear there have been many a time where I've seen the Giants. Yeah, you're, it's third down. You you think they're about to stop it. Oh, the other team gets first down. Not, nine out of every ten times, I feel like that's the difference between them winning and losing the game. Yo, I 100% agree with you. Like, if we can, we can get teams to not convert on third down, it is extremely, extremely important. And it, like, just like you said, like, where are you guys on third down? Like, just as much as might as well just let them walk to the to the chains. Like, just so come true. on, come on. Like, you like the amount of effort that they put in the first two downs, and like they really make sure that they're not getting to that first down marker. And also, when they were playing the Eagles, it was almost like the fourth quarter was an entire third down. They completely yep. just like they were nowhere to be found. And they did so well for the first three quarters of that game. Fourth quarter comes around to the most important part of the game, and they don't show up. So it's just like, finish what you started, make sure that this team doesn't convert third down, and then, wow, look at that. Our offense is on the field. Maybe we can score some points. Yep, exactly. You said it took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, that's what you have to do. And one other thing offensively I think we must do is protect Daniel Jones and contain the edge because – Remember, guys, we have an old friend that we're going to be seeing on Monday Night Football, and he played for us for a long, long time. (laughs) JPP, I miss him so much. I miss him too. Like, remember, like, when we were, because I know we're all probably around the same age, because I'm not too far off from Gabe's age, Sam, but. Mm -hmm. uh, like he was kind of like what we grew up with, like in our like our high school years and whatnot. That like that second trip to the Super Bowl where JPP was just the force. Remember he had the sixteen and a half sacks that one year when he was yeah. really young. But look, so far this year, even with uh, nine and a half fingers, he has five and a half sacks. <laughs> I remember her helper met too. <laughs> this is through seven games five and a half sacks and three forced fumbles yeah i mean 
that and that's almost a sack in every single game. Like I was looking at his stats um yesterday when I was like preparing for all this and I was like, "Wow, like this guy's out here making a play every single game." I think there was one game that he didn't have a sack. And like I mean, like you said, we we miss JPP so much, but he's definitely somebody that we need to watch out for because if we're not giving DJ the the time in the pocket to throw because I think you said what like 2.6 seconds he has in the pocket in order to perform like if he's given the time I genuinely think that Daniel Jones can make more outstanding plays and JPP is going to be that force on the Tampa Bay defense that makes it a point to close that pocket extremely fast pressure Daniel to start scrambling around all over the place and then he's going to sack him Oh, good Lord. Ignore that third bullet point, folks. Sorry. Uh, It's pretty sad. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Another thing, too, they have Shaq Barrett. They have Dominic Sue. Both have three sacks. And then they just got Steve McClendon from the Jets in a a trade because Vita Vey is out for the year. So um David making fun of my graphic there. JPP taking over for Godwin at receiver the last two weeks. I put down that JPP. Yeah, I forgot to remove that from Gronkowski's graphic. Sorry, David. And everyone watching. But, um, yeah, just a little hiccup there. And another thing, too, Devin White, four sacks from a linebacker position. He's been great. And then Levante David, who's been there forever, seventh-ranked linebacker, according to PFF, fifth in coverage. Sam, and I'm looking at the secondary, too. Their secondary is really young, but they're really good. These are a lot of guys I'm I'm not too familiar with their names, but Carlton Davis, 23 years old, three interceptions. Uh, Jamel Dean, who's a backup. He's apparently the number two ranked corner on pro football focus. And then Antoine Winfield, Jr., has a rookie, has two sacks, one pick, 36 tackles through – seven games. So I, I'm really concerned going up against this defense. They're pretty much seem to be the complete package all across the board. So, you know, before we get to game predictions here, um, I'm just, I'm just really worried. I think the defense could potentially keep us in the game, but this is not the offense we've had. Like when we've gone up against Brady in the past. Yeah. I mean, to go back like two weeks to that Tampa Bay um, green Bay game, the fact that they were able to do a pick six against Aaron Rodgers and it was his third pick six in his entire career, really? that's frightening. Jeez. That's really frightening. And they were able to keep the Green Bay Packers, who have one of the best offenses in the league, to 10 points. It's really, really scary. And I really hope that, you know, that there's somehow that we can do better against them. But I just don't know. They're a very scary defense. For sure. Uh, I believe, Hank, you have a, like two more questions, I think. Yes, I do. Here's the first one. Let's talk about Joe Judge, the head coach. What are your thoughts on him? Do you see this guy still leading the team for maybe like five years from now? Um, I think I have the same thoughts about Joe Judge that I do about Daniel Jones. Hmm. I want to see him. Because I I do genuinely like him just like as a coach, just like the things that he comes out and says, and he has that Patriots mentality from when he was the special teams coach. Right. 
And when he came to, like, when we found out that we were going to have Joe Judge, I was like, you know what? Like, maybe we need to, like, have someone like him on our team, discipline us a little bit. Like, I mean, like we said, that that stupid boat pitcher where, like, we've run, like, nine games since then or something stupid like that. We need that kind of discipline. And I think Joe Judge can give us that in terms of just, like, we have a fairly young team. Like, they're going to be a little rambunctious. So, but Joe Judge, long term, again, I'm not sure he's our guy I do think that Jason Garrett will be around for a while though as our offensive coordinator and I mean you know I know that he came from Dallas and I was beyond upset that I found out that he was going to be in New York Giants and I was like now I gotta like Jason Garrett I wanted to punch him in the face for the last how many years as a child like I hate the man and now I have to like him I just I Joe Judge, I think, has that potential to be a very good coach for this team. But again, not entirely sold on the fact that he's going to be here in another five years. (laughs) John Sugg disagrees. (laughs) He thinks they need to get rid of Jason Garrett. John, fun fact, did you know Jason Garrett was our backup quarterback when we played in Super Bowl 35 against the Ravens? Fun fact. Um, He was actually, I think, no, he was never a coach for us. He was just a player. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's a little yeah, ninety-nine through o two. I th- yeah, yeah, ninety-nine through o two. I think, or maybe earlier. It was ninety-nine to o two. Yep, because he was here for he was there for like three years or something, and he left in o two. So, yes, you would happen to be correct. <laughs> oh, Hank, Hank, you're a funny guy. <laughs> um, so, ugh, okay. Joe judge, what do we got? He came in and team looks more disciplined. Well, Sam, John's challenging you here. Um, look, I mean, regardless of what we think about Joe judge, it's really hard to judge right now. No pun intended because he's only been here for seven games. Right. So I do agree with you. I think there's an issue that he hasn't been winning these first few games. So it's fair to say, like, we don't know if he's the guy long-term, of course. But, um, you know, I happen to think he will be here for a while, similar to Hank. But I do see your point where he could be on the hot seat if the Giants just don't win any more games this year because you got to show some type of fight. But, um, But, Hank, I know you have one more on the NFC East. Before I do, I should also point out, there's only really been one game since he's become the head coach where the Giants are early in. So I, I, in other words, yes, I do like his chances of staying for maybe at least four or five years. Anyways, last question. And speaking of winning games, let's take a look at the NFC East the whole. We know it's pretty bad. Who honestly do you think has the best shot at winning it? And what, what do you think the Giants' chances are of winning it all if, if they can? I mean, at this point, this – this division is so trash. It is so bad. It is just the fact that combined, it's like what seven wins from yeah. all four teams. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I was under the impression that overall the Cowboys were going to be the ones to come out on top. But when Dak went down and now last week Dalton went down, I just don't see them coming back at all. I agree with John. I do believe that the Eagles are going to be the one to come out on top in this division. They came out on top last year, again, by the skin of their teeth. But nonetheless, somebody has to come in from this league, from this division. So in my 
opinion, I do believe that it's going to end up being the Eagles. That's a really good point. I agree. Six, nine, and one. This is my final record for them. I That sounds good. I hate to say it because this might sound like a hot take. The Eagles, I actually hate more than the Cowboys. So I would tend to agree with that too. Yeah. So last question, Sam, let's make game predictions here for Tampa Bay. I have Tampa Bay winning, but I have them covering the spread, which I think is like 10 and a half, 11 and a half. I think they're going to beat us by two touchdowns. Maybe I'm being a little too generous, but I have them winning 27 to 13. 27 to 13. Okay. I do believe it's a 10 and a half point spread. Right. Um. To be honest, I'm thinking it's going to be closer to what that Packers score looked like. I'm just going to copy that one. I'm just going to say 38 to 10. Okay. I can see it. I can see it. I, I'm trying to have a little uh, little more confidence than most Giants fans because a lot of Giants fans have been downplaying this, uh, this score this week. Hank? Yeah, you're not going to get any optimistic score from me either, unfortunately. I'm going to say 29 to 13. Tampa, a random but weird score, but yeah, you never know. Looks like I'm in the minority here, but anyway, um, let's see. <laughs> if we're doing prices right, we'll see if I can get a close. Doing it by prices right, we'll- if we're doing it by prices right rules, we'll see if I'll come close again, like I did the last few weeks. I agree with David there, and then as I said, the Cowboys and the football team are dinosaurs. It's been decades since they were relevant. Yep. I mean, and there's a team in this division that doesn't even have a name. That's Come a good on, point, man. too. And JPP. <laughs> if anything, yeah, this is this is such a relevant comment. JPP has more fingers than we've had wins over the last Oh, my God. That's hilarious. It's sad. Um, it's really funny. <laughs> one last question from David before we let you go, Sam. What do we think of the Kenny Galladay trade rumors with the Detroit Lions? I think 100% do it. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to have Kenny Galladay on this team. Mm. I could see the benefit of it, but I think we have to trade Tate first before worrying about getting Galladay. Only because like, if we get Galladay... We're going to be giving up draft picks, and we don't have as many this year. I think last year we had 10 draft picks. Right now we have seven after the Marcus Golden trade. Mm. So I think for a team that's building for the future, we I would only feel comfortable acquiring Galladay if we get at least two picks in exchange for Zeitler or Tate, whatever it is. But Do you, do you think that – that Galladay would come with any picks or would it just be Galladay? I, I feel like it would just be Galladay. Um, I just don't, it's hard to, it's hard to tell because like I've been a Giants fan my whole life. I still can't read this team. I mean, whenever they're picking in the draft, like the last three years, it's been like, I mean, Barkley, I wanted, I, I expected, but Jones, it was like, wow, like what the heck are they doing? Yeah. And then the same thing with Andrew Thomas. Yeah. This year, um, only if they take Ingram and Tate. That's a good point. And then I say trade Tate and get OBJ nope. back. No, 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 we're not doing that. I don't no. want Odell Beckham Jr. I don't want him either. But, no. uh, <laughs> 
Sam, me and Hank wanted to thank you so much for your time tonight. And we should probably talk to you again soon about these giants because we have a lot of yes. we have a lot of good takes on them. So really yeah, thank it. you guys so much for having me on. This was really fun. No problem. And where can the viewers find you and your podcast for those that don't know? Uh, so my podcast is called The Girl Who Talks Sports. It's available Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever it is that you get your podcasts from. And we also put up full episodes on the YouTube channel, which is just called The Girl Who Talks Sports. You just look for the giant orange foam finger. And that's me. Very nice. That, <laughs> yeah. I think the next time the Giants play the Eagles, we should try to get you and your friend up here, kind of have like a nice mm. collaboration. Yeah, for sure. Time. I'm definitely going to be seeing her again for my podcast during that time. So I think that would be really fun. Sounds good. Uh, we'll keep in touch and uh, let's go Giants. Let's hope for the best. <laughs> let's go Giants. <laughs> Thank you, Sam. All right. Talk bye, guys. Take care. That was Sam Cardona, the host of the Girl Who Talks Sports podcast. Make sure to go check her out and her stuff. She was great. Great interview tonight. Uh, that was a lot of fun. And now um, one more comment from David, which he commented earlier, and I was like, I knew he was going to say this. Uh, it's about Dave Gettleman. Tom, come on, man. If you pitch 300 balls, you got to hit four. Okay. So before, David, just hear me out here. Hear me out. Because I, okay, if we fire David Gettleman this year, we are going to have an in-house hire, which is likely going to be Kevin Abrams. Because with the new GM, what usually comes with it? A new head coach. A lot of the times that new head coach will want their new quarterback. If we like Jones and we like Judge and we want to stick with them, I seriously think that Dave Gettleman is going to have to stay this year unless they hire Kevin Abrams, who could be better. Then Dave Gettleman, I don't see us getting a high caliber GM if we're restricting them saying, oh, you, by the way, you can't, you can't clean house and you can't draft your own quarterback. Let's just say the Giants finish with the worst record in the league and are picking number one overall, which is unlikely, but let's just say that happens. Now we're, we're, we're screwed, you know? That's just my take on it. Am I a big Dave Gettleman fan, David? No, I'm not. I agree with you 100%. I think he has to go. But due to the situation the Giants are in, I think it's very difficult at the end of this year to say, hey, you got to go, and we're going to replace you with somebody better. I think it more comes down to Daniel Jones. I think Daniel Jones needs at least one more year, uh, you know. But Johns brings up a good point. Gettleman didn't do jack for the Panthers. David, experience doesn't constitute greater good. I agree. Look, I'm not a big Dave Gettleman fan. I'm just trying to look at it from a different, more like a different perspective, just saying, hey, like, we don't know. Like, it could get worse is uh, basically what I'm trying to say. But I do agree with you there, guys. Um, yeah. I Can I expand on your point if I may? Yeah, might? go ahead. Yeah. I'm sort of in the same boat as Tom, but unlike you, I've never been too crazy about Dave Gettleman. I I can't overlook a lot of the past mistakes he made. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry. I, I just I really can't. With that said, would it would it upset me if we kept him next year? Eh, not really, because then you're gonna have more changes and that that's a sign of a dysfunctional organization. Right. However, with that said, would I shed any tears over Dave Gettleman getting fired? Absolutely not. 
It's only darkest before the dawn. I like that. Um, and on that note, that will do it for our show tonight. Hank, thank you very much for joining me again. I think we're a good team. We'll have to have Sam and her friend back on to talk about the next Giants-Eagles matchup. And David has I like that. What was that? Crossover episode. I'd love that. Yeah. No, that would be great. And David says, hated it day one. Wow. So uh, look at the injuries the Giants have. Yep, you're right. Mm-hmm. Um, remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel at Review and Preview Sports. That channel will bring you all of the episodes that we run. That is the North Pole on Tuesdays, Review and Preview on Wednesday, and then Big Blue Avenue tonight. On Thursdays, those episodes will start to be uploaded next week. So our official launch is next Monday, November 2nd. So make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel to get all our content. We also have some bonus content. We're going to be posting some feature segments, some interviews. We may potentially start doing some interviews with fans as well. So make sure you all stay tuned in for that. Um, And Thanks again, David. Really appreciate you and uh, tuning in as always. And uh, hope you get to tune in to us next week again. Hank, any final thoughts? Any Anything you'd like to add before we sign off? Oh, first of all, that this was another great episode. Sam, if you are still watching some of it, thank you for coming on and joining us. You brought a lot of great points and insight to the show. And, and Dave, thanks as always for your great comments. You, Fans like you guys are what makes the show great. That's all I got to say. And Tom, thanks again, as always, for having me as your co-host. Not a problem. Anytime. On behalf of Hank and Dick there, I'm Tom Scavetta saying so long. Tune in next week to Big Blue Avenue, same time, 7 p.m. You've been watching us here on Facebook Live at Review and Preview Sports. Good night, everybody.